Well, looking around, I don't see any children in here this morning. And that's probably for two reasons. Number one, I saw some of them eating donuts in the big room, looking around. And number two, we have a lot of children that are in Sunday school this hour, and so they will be here at the next hour to hear what I was going to say. But I will give you a shortened version of something I learned yesterday from my five-year-old. We'd finished up a baseball game with our oldest son, and they both needed to use the bathroom before we left over in Winterville at the baseball fields. And Josiah saw a patch of clover, and he said, I'm looking for a four-leaf clover. I said, son, we, we don't have time. You're not going to find one. Let's go. He said, I, but I'm looking. I'm looking. Would you know, within a minute, the child found a four-leaf clover? Anybody ever found a four-leaf clover? I don't know that I have ever found one. Maybe I don't take enough time to look. And on St. Patrick's Day, nonetheless, that he found it. And it reminded me that when we're thinking about opportunities to serve, sometimes we have to take time to look. And so one way we can do that is to go through our ministries and missions fair today and to look around. We can go to conferences and we can stop at booths and look for opportunities that God is at work, uh, things are already in place that God's doing and people he's using in ways that we can join in and be a part of that, that missions and ministry. And so as I was trying to hurry him along yesterday, he saw an opportunity to look for something that he believed was there. And so it's a reminder to me yesterday, and I'm challenging you today to think about what are those opportunities that you can serve and where are those times you need to pause long enough to either see where God's already at work or to listen to somebody that's telling about something they're already doing and think about how God might be calling you uh, to work in that, that endeavor. Suppose there was a group who set out for a fishing trip. The group was led by a guide who they trusted would lead them to like fish. Spot, plenty of fish here. He led them to water, but the group became full of excuses for why they couldn't fish. Some people came on the trip dressed the part and full of great fishing stories, but never seemed to do anything. Some claimed they did not have the heart for fishing. I can't fish. This is too cruel. But you know it's a rubber worm, right? Some said the work should be left to those who were more skilled in the art of fishing. Carl, he's really good at casting. Shouldn't he be doing all the fishing? No, no, you can do it. It's really simple. Look, some claim that fishing was not their gift. Told us hey, uh, uh, fishing's really not my thing. In fact, it scored a zero on my spiritual gifts test, so... No, we could still really use your Before help. the guide could yeah. finish, Carl interrupted him. I think I got one! Hey, great! You mind helping out with some of the others? No, it's okay! Carl was more impressed with catching fish on his own than he was in helping people out, like Greg here. I got a small problem here. My line's a little tangled out. Oh, goodness. How in the world did that... Some of the people fishing said they just didn't have time to fish. Matt, where are you going? Oh, yeah. I have an appointment um, thing that's going around. It's okay, it's okay. I, got a, I got a stick. It's doing great, it's great. Whoa. Oops. And some people, well, they just had problems. Hey, uh, my hook's caught on something. What's it caught on? If everyone did their part, imagine the fish that could be caught. 
my favorite fishing spot. I'm surprised there's nobody here at 8 o'clock in the morning, but it is a work day, but I took care of that. <coughs> yeah, I'm really sick, but I can come in. I'm highly contagious, but I don't want to miss work. <coughs> okay, if I have to stay home. <coughs> Naive boss. <laughs> You need me to take the kids to the ball games? But you know tonight's the season finale of the next to the top celebrity models cook-off. No, the season finale for America's Teen Solo Superstar was last night. Oh, there's always a season finale when you have 127 channels on the dish. I know you need me to take the kids sometimes, and I'm committed to that. But I know I watched a ball game last year. Well, you know how tired I get from working. Okay, you're the greatest. Thanks, hon. This is the life. Hey, who's coming over here? With that hair and dress, man, you look like Jesus. I am. <laughs> yeah. What did they do, just let you out of the funny farm? Caught anything? No, haven't caught a thing all morning. Well, throw it over there by that bush. Yeah, right. And lose this Ronco, king of the sea, purple jitterbug fly that I just bought that has NASCAR printed on the side? I don't think so. Don't trust me, then. Well, would you like some, um... Some ice chips? No, thanks. Quit staring at me. Okay, I'll throw it over there, but if I lose this lure, you're going to Al's NASCAR fish in heaven and buy me a new one. Hey, wait, wait, what is this? I see I have your attention now. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. What do you want? Not much. Just your best. Well, you have that. I believe in you. Do you? So you are following me. Are you trustworthy, Miss Skip Work, ten times a summer? Well... And how about that love-your-husband thing? I love him. You love him just like you love me, when you want something. Well, I'm a loyal... I'm a loyal television fan. Go, God. Well, okay, you see everything about me. Why are you here? To challenge you to use the gifts you have to follow me. What fun is that? More fun than you have ever had fishing. Well, will I have to give up all this? No, just recognize that leisure should not be your passion. I should be, and I want you to become a fisher of people. But well, won't I look silly? Well, sometimes to the world you will. But if you haven't noticed, most of my greatest followers have looked silly once in a while. Well, I can fish for people. What equipment will I need? 
Remember that dusty book called the Bible you have under your stacks of Bubba's Fishing USA? Yeah. That's your new rod and reel. And your lure is yourself, your story, your heart, and your life. Tell your story your way to others. They need to see that even everyday people like you need me. That's it? Pretty much. You see, I don't need to send people to Africa or make their lives miserable. I usually just ask people to serve me where they are, doing what they already do. Just one more thing. Can I do some of that really cool stuff like walk on water? <laughs> well, one thing at a time, Pat. One thing at a time. because I feel like it's God's calling for me to serve. I've been searching for a place to serve within our community here at the church, and every month I pick up our missions bulletins, searching for a place and praying for a place to, to find to serve. And I felt one day God reached out to me and told me this was where he wanted me. And so I'm here serving for him and hopefully having a blessing upon everybody that comes every Tuesday night. It's a blessing into myself that I can also bring my daughter along and watch her serve alongside of me. I really enjoy working with the youth at Oakmont. I love being a part of a ministry that shows them, the youth, that others care about them and are willing to walk with them in their faith journey. Good morning. I'd like to share some of the experiences our Sunday school class, Potter's Clay, has had with serving at the community shelter. Um, we serve a meal every other month and come away with that with more than we ever give. Some of the things that I can recall that have been meaningful to me are the people are aware of Oakmont. They know what we do. They remember us coming back and they remember a lot of the programs and community resources that we, we provide here in Greenville. Also the children. When they come up and they're, they're very excited to see that they can get whatever dessert that they want. And I remember a little girl, she was very excited to come back and get a second dessert. And she had cupcake icing all over her face. And just being able to share that joy with the individuals there to show that they are important and to helping them help themselves. I've always enjoyed meeting people from other cultures and the Japanese people are among my favorites. What's really nice is when they go home, we stay in touch through Facebook, emails, and Christmas cards. At Table Talk, 
We exchange cultural ideas, and because we're Baptists, we also exchange food. It's a covered dish dinner with Japanese bringing uh, uh, their dishes, and we bring in ours. And once a year, the Japanese ladies will cook for us in the fellowship hall. We don't always know what impact we have on the children, but their English is much better than their parents. Hopefully, between their language skills and our influence, they'll influence others when they go home. At least that's the plan. This is Jesus' command to spread the gospel throughout the ends of the earth, and Japanese Table Talk is one of the avenues with which we can accomplish this. Not everyone who is in spiritual need will walk through the doors of our church or any other church. Sometimes as Christians, we need to meet people where they are. And for the women that we are ministering to, where they are is a very critical point in their lives where they need encouragement, they need love, and they need Jesus. As one of our team members points out, these ladies could be our sisters, our daughters, our granddaughters, or our friends who are struggling. And they are our sisters in Christ. We spend time with them in fellowship, we have a meal together, we pray together, we study God's word, we get it as much out of this ministry as they do. Together we all feel encouraged, together we all feel loved, and we feel blessed by Jesus, and through him we are all blessed by each other. I've been teaching back here to one-year-olds for quite a few years. I've enjoyed every moment of it. I call it my hour of power. Uh, I want to have a safe place for these kids, for the parents feel safest, with us being back here. I've had some really great people to work with back here. And I love the kids more than anything. And I just can't see coming here and not having this job. So volunteer whenever you can. medicine without all the trappings of a busy medical practice where um, I have to spend so much time in the electronic medical record and focus on very many other things. Here I get to just be a doctor and try to be the hands and feet of Christ and, and love people and help people and not that I don't do that in my day job but here it can be the sole focus and I think we've become a primary care home for a number of patients and they keep coming back and they teach us like you always hear, probably more than we care for them or teach them. But it's just a wonderful experience.
Children's Choirs, just like uh, many other places, are a community. And like other communi communities, relationships are built and lessons are learned. And here in this community, we learn through music, through singing, through drama, through storytelling. You know, this community uh, is never complete because there's always room for another person to join. Um, I, like other members of this community, learn who Jesus was and who he is and who God wants us to be. Have you ever had an experience where you just couldn't get a song out of your head? Well, here in children's choirs, that happens a lot, and it's a good thing. share my faith in Christ with others. And second, I enjoy mentoring young people to put their faith in action. The Bible teaches us that we are all the hands and feet of Christ regardless of age or education. Our GA girls are a living and breathing example of that. They have visited church members who are unable to come to church. They have prepared cards for our church members who have lost loved ones in the last year. We also support other ministries such as the homeless ministry and the backpack bunny. Finally, I've enjoyed getting to know all the ladies with whom I work in GAs. They're a great bunch, and we all support and pray for each other. The reason I like to do this on Sunday is because it's something I can do in my life. Go, to, go through different stages of life, and right now I can't commit to doing something on during the week or Wednesday nights, but I can commit to being here on Sunday and I'm glad to help out where I can. In 2006, I was invited to attend a missions conference with a group from Oakmont. And I didn't really want to go because I didn't think I needed to. I was already really involved here in the life of Oakmont and involved in local missions. But I kept feeling a nudge, and so I did go. And at that conference, I heard a speaker that led me to understand that there was a call in my life to address the issue of human trafficking. Now, if you go to a missions conference, that may not happen to you, but you will enjoy fellowship with fellow Oakmonters. You will meet people from around North Carolina that are involved in missions, and you will get to meet and hear from missionaries from around the world. Attending a missions conference can be life-changing. Helping others and serving is, is just where it's at. Um, I've been helping out for a long time, and what I've learned, it's amazing the, the kind of equation that you get. When you help others, they get the benefit, but I found that I get more benefit than they do. Had a buddy of mine, lifelong friend that was going through some tough times, uh, job-related, uh, family-related, and I kind of got tired of texting it back and forth, and I finally called him, I said, Go find somebody that's worse off than you are and help them out. A few months later, he called me back and he said, yeah, that's the best advice I've ever gotten from anybody. Not too long horn, but hey, that's an easy one. And it's in the, it's in the good book to help others. So. I've been singing with the Joy Singers for about the past five years, and I love it. We usually go out one morning a week to the various assisted living homes in our area where we sing for about 30 minutes. 
We usually sing older songs of both popular and sacred ones because those are the ones that the residents remember from their younger years. When they recognize a song, they, their faces light up, they start singing with us, and that blesses my heart and it makes me smile. If you're looking for a rewarding way to serve the Lord, you might want to consider Joy Singers. We would love to have you join us. We have been building ramps here uh, for about six years. Uh, it's a ministry that I got involved with because it was uh, a way to do something very different from what I did as a job uh, and now that I'm retired. Uh, we build ramps for people who have difficulty getting in and out of their homes. And to uh, be able to uh, do this, to allow a person to essentially have brand new mobility to change their lives is something that's awfully exciting for us to see when we build the ramps. Uh, we try to do one a week, uh, sometimes more, uh, and it is a, a blessing to us as members of the team, I think as much as for the people that receive the ramps that we need. Most of the church is familiar with my struggle with alcoholism, but nine years ago I found Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery in Jesus Christ changed this man's life, and I was an eyewitness to it. I see the power that can happen when you face your demons that you're dealing with inside, whether it's anger, codependency that I deal with, food issues that I deal with, um, divorce that you may be going through, pornography that you're dealing with. This is a um, totally confidential, um, no one will know that you come to this program, we're here to help you because this is a biblical and balanced program to help you get through the struggles of life and to make your character more Christ-like. That is our goal, and we're here to help. Throw your nets on the other side. I'll never forget the night that I saw, heard that cried out on the water. You see, I was on the shore, and some of Jesus' disciples were just up the beach from me a little bit, and they were sort of out of it. You see, it had only been a couple of weeks since Jesus' crucifixion, and they didn't quite understand what was going on. They had heard that Jesus had been resurrected, and that's what they kept saying, but that's really hard to believe. And then there was even Thomas, who was like, I didn't believe until I saw it for myself. So you can imagine how hard it was for somebody who hadn't seen anything to believe what was going on. Now Peter, he was a different type of guy altogether. He always wanted to do something, and that got him in a lot of trouble. But then he decided that night, even though the fishing hadn't been very good, they'd go back out on their boat and see what they could do. Well, I had finished fixing my nets, so I decided, well, I'll follow them out there in my own boat. So I went up and rode out beside them. But it really wasn't a great idea. You see, we were out there and we caught nothing. So I finally gave up, went back to shore so I could warm myself by the fire. Well, then I heard somebody call out, throw your nets on the other side. And it was Jesus talking to the disciples. And so they did, and they caught so many fish. 
and they were jumping up and down and they were rejoicing and they rowed their boat back in and Peter even jumped out and swam to shore and was just so excited seeing Jesus and fell down and hugged them and that everything was so great. Well, then Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And it must have been an important question because he asked him three different times, three different ways to say, do you love me? And he told them to take care of his people. Well, I had never really met Jesus before. I'd only heard about him. And so I was wondering to myself, do you love me? Well, how could he love me? I never even talked to the guy. I must have said it out loud because suddenly there was somebody standing right beside me. And as I looked up, it was Peter. And he said, of course he loves you. Here, let me go introduce you to him. And he did. And one person saying that they love me led me to Jesus. And what a difference that's made in my life. Follow along with me. Um, I'm going to share this with you. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where, where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The central theme of this passage is the glory of God. Jesus is on the way to the cross, and he hears God speaking to him. And this is one of three times where God speaks to Jesus in the Bible. The first one was at Jesus' baptism as he begins his ministry here on earth. The second was at his transfiguration as he began his journey to Jerusalem. And then here, the third time, when Jesus is entering his last days before the cross. God tells Jesus that he has glorified his name and that he will glorify it again. God is encouraging Jesus just like he encourages us today and those who suffer for his sake. In verse 24, Jesus uses the image of a seed to illustrate the spiritual truth that there can be no glory without suffering, no fruitful life without death, no victory without surrender to his plan for our lives. 
Jesus' death on the cross is the ultimate expression of sacrificial servanthood. He died on the cross for our sins, and he rose again so that we can be his followers here on earth and share this good news with others. In Jesus' time of suffering, instead of saying, Father, save me, Jesus said, Father, glorify thy name, even though he knew it was going to cost him his life. In verse 25, Jesus tells us that if you love your life, you must lose it, and whoever serves him must follow him and be where he is in the world. With Jesus' invitation to follow him is a promise that God the Father will honor those who serve him. On our journey, our life should mirror and reflect that of Jesus' life. This involves serving and giving and going and sharing ourselves with others wherever we go. As Christians, Jesus commands us to be his witnesses, to be his hands and feet in the world to reach the nations for his glory. What a challenge to us to be Jesus' servant and to be where he is in the world. Sometimes these places may be messy, unfamiliar, or out of our comfort zone places. Or they may be in the ordinary places like our office, our classroom, on the ball field, in our neighborhood, or in our families. In our often too busy lives, we sometimes think that we can't do one more thing for Jesus or anybody else. And our attitude may not be positive, or we may sometimes dread having to fulfill our commitments. Too often we're relying on our own strength instead of that of Jesus' strength. But what a difference our perspective can make. How many of you are fishermen or have a hobby or a sport that you just really like to do? My guess is that you are excited to share about this with everybody you see whenever you get the chance because you know what's coming and you're excited about it. As Christians, we should begin each day with an I get to attitude and be just as enthusiastic about serving others in our job, in our classroom, on our ball field, with our family and other places that we go. Um, we should be as excited about doing those normal things as we are when we get to do the special ball games and cruises and trips and all that kind of stuff. God is always working around us and it is exciting to be a privilege and a part of that, of what he's doing, but it requires that we submit our lives to him and follow him. Keeping our focus on Jesus makes all the difference as we seek to be his presence in our daily lives, to have a thankful heart and to give glory to God. This morning, you have seen and heard many testimonies about some of the life-changing missions and ministries that are being done by many of you in our church and community. If you're already serving somewhere on a regular basis, that is awesome. I challenge you to go deeper in your conversations and in your relationships as God works in and through you to reach others. We can't take our stuff with us when we die, but we can bring others to Jesus as we share the hope that we have in Christ so that they can one day be in heaven too. What a difference we can make if each one of us would invest in one person and show them how much God loves them, to walk with them as they grow in their faith and as, so that we all can continue to reach more people for his sake. I want to invite each of you this morning to continue worshiping and to visit the um, multi-purpose room down the hall to my right um, where we have our missions and ministries marketplace. <laughs> There are representatives from local ministries, from uh, people who serve in the Oakmont Community Center ministries and ministries within our church. Be open to where God may be calling you to serve as a reflection of your faith and hope in Christ. As you leave here today, I challenge you to cast your net, to bless and serve more people as you live out your faith. Focusing on Jesus more and on ourselves less 
will bring glory to God and truly make an impact for his kingdom. Let's go fishing. <laughs>